watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to the Binge Movie Podcast, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I am Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte, and today we're going to take a look at three movies. Lion, Miss Sloane, and Office Christmas Party. And as always, we're going to rate these on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being the highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And Send It Back means... Life's too short for that mess. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Too short for that mess. Mm-hmm. Jason, how's things? What's up? Give me the what's up, what's down. Give me the skinny, the 411. Well, my 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 411 this week involves you. Oh. Yes, because What's up with me? Guys, on Monday night, Rebecca and I had the privilege of attending a super special early screening of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Silence. Or Silencio, as Mahal and Drive might call it. <laughs> <laughs> ha, ha. Silencio. And, and uh, we are not going to be reviewing it just yet because of embargoes. Um, but the crazy thing was that at the screening, which happened at the Castro Theater, it was attended and uh, uh, had a Q&A by Scorsese himself, mm-hmm. uh, Adam Driver, mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield, Scorsese's amazing longtime editor, Thomas Schoonmacher, um, and the producer, Emma Boscoff, and then um, one of the other stars of the film, I believe his name is Issei Ogata, mm-hmm. and his translator, because yeah. he is uh, Japanese. And, uh, and uh, it was introduced by George Lucas. Yeah, that was crazy. In a, uh, in a profoundly... Um, Unimpressive? Uneloquent yes. uh, uh, introduction. It was essentially four minutes of George Lucas just going, well... I feel like the next time I'm nervous about a presentation at work, I'm going to be like, you know what? No, because George yeah. Lucas stood in front of a packed uh, movie theater. this like a rich white straight man would. Just, just stand like, there looking rumpled in your sneakers and just go, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Marty. Marty. Uh, Marty. Marty. What are you going to do? Marty. Yeah, you know, it's Marty's latest. Uh, see what you think. Uh, that was basically yeah. it. <laughs> it was pretty much George Lucas's introduction. So our thanks to Mr. Lucas for gracing the screening with his presence <laughs> and his his sterling wit. Uh, so the Q and A was 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 cool and interesting. It was fortunately, thank God, um, not much of an audience Q and A. Yeah, there were only there were but two, just two little questions from the audience at the end, and they were neither of them were especially embarrassing. No, one started off like it was going to go down that road. One started off so badly that guys Rebecca literally bolted. I left. I was like, this is my. I gotta go. Yeah. She. Uh, he, the guy started off with uh, with this little something like this. Uh, hey, Marty. Uh, met you in '92 after uh, Goodfellas. Loved it. Nice to see you again. Very oh, um, lifelong Wait, which... mafia movie aficionado. Oh, could not be more of a red flag. <laughs> and I feel like opening. that was a fair time to leave. It was a fair time, and um, and to that guy's credit, if he's listening, hello, sir. <laughs> he asked a very good question. Yeah, I missed it. Um, about the relationship between silence and the last temptation of Christ, but. Uh, but yeah, worst possible, like who, like, oh yeah, Marty's like, oh yeah, you, uh, <laughs> guy from the Goodfellas premiere. How you been? Uh, Italian sounding guy that likes right. Goodfellas. It's just like, okay, guy, we get it. You're from New York. Like, have yeah. a seat. When I went outside, um, you know, everyone was still in the theater and there were just a few people outside that were like, the limos were lined up and, mm-hmm. um, there were a few people waiting outside for autographs yes. and they all looked like they were like in a, uh, dedicated contributors to a Sopranos Reddit subthread. <laughs> 
um, just like giant dudes in trench coats holding like a picture of like Robert De Niro and like a pen. <laughs> well, this is what's funny is uh, so after the Q&A was over, uh, the uh, facilitator was like, OK, guys, if uh, if everyone in the audience, you know, thank you all for coming. If everyone could just stay in their seats for about five minutes, we do need to get everybody. We do need to get the, the cast and crew out of here because they need to catch flights. Da, 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 da. Um, which was could may or may not have been true, uh, sure, which yeah. was really just, you know, like we can't have you guys being crazy uh, at these people. Right. Cause there's not like a dedicated entrance or exit no. for these guys. So there is a side alley next to the Castro mm-hmm. that they have to like run up and then you have all the cars waiting. Da, 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 da. So of course no one waited. Uh, <laughs> so then we all just as a theater bum rushed out and stood there gawking. <laughs> And, uh, and I got to kind of just like watch the like immersion of one after the next and see Kylie each handle it differently. Um, and namely, the two lead actors, uh, Andrew Garfield, was gracious. Mm-hmm. He signed autographs. He posed for pictures. Aww. Adam Driver did everything but actually elbow people out of his way. <laughs> <laughs> he stared right at the ground. <laughs> Yeah. Did not look up at anybody. He had men aggressively thrusting things in his face, and he did not look at any of them or acknowledge that they were there. Wow. Uh, because he's a hardened Star Wars actor, I guess, now. That's so he's, what it is. He's, he, you know, he, he, he's been through it, and he's not interested. But the thing is that it would be better if it was like, oh, well, these are clearly their fans. They're fans. But it's always those weird middle-aged dudes who are clearly doing this for some kind of racket. They sell shit on eBay. On eBay, yeah. Yeah, like it, they ruin it for everybody. They do. Like I remember when I went to the Julianne Moore book signing when I first met her years ago. And, and you were like, ruining it for everybody. And I was ruining it for everybody. So I know of what I speak. <laughs> no, there was this one random dude there who was, was, was 50 if he was a day. And he had literally a stack of eight by ten headshots of hers. Oh my god! And and he did not look to be at all excited. <laughs> he was just there to like get shit to sell. So it's just that kind of you know it's 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 not the different in my mind from just like the paparazzi complex. Yeah, it's just exactly. Like it's, it just ruins it for the people who are actually fans mm-hmm. and who are excited and who are appreciative. And then you have like the just gross middle aged dudes just there lousing things up. So I think Adam Driver maybe maybe per- correctly sensed that that was what was going on and was like nope 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 nope. Yeah, I so. mean, he's also handing himself in the Q and A in a in a pretty uh, gruff way, I would say. Yeah, I think yeah, and he was funny. I thought. Yeah, yeah, he was funny. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's just his thing. He's like ex Navy or something, isn't he? He's he like ex Marines. Yeah, I yeah. Maybe it's Army. Oh, I mean, whatever. Military. Mm, military. Matter. I mean, they're all very distinct and they're very fantastic. If you say I so. Don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so that's what's up with me. I mean, that's also what's up with me. The only other thing that's up with me is that. Um, you know, holiday party season is coming up as we're, you know, reviewing office Christmas party this week. And, and I have my office Christmas party coming up this weekend. And also on Tuesday night during the screening of office <laughs> Christmas party, you could not attend because you were at my office Christmas party. Yeah. Um, but I have another one, my company wide um, Christmas party uh, this Saturday and it's um, space themed. Sure. Uh, it's also like night, you know, like you go to these things in like cocktail wear. So I don't know. If I'm supposed to wear like a Star Trek shirt with like a jacket or what exactly like, is... What does one wear to a space-themed cocktail party? Exactly. Like you see a lot of like how space um, people, mm. also R.I.P. John Glenn. Space people. Um, you know, astronauts. Mm. But like, you know, space people like right. Star Trek, Star Wars. You sure. see like their work like, outfits, but you don't really see their cocktail attire. Mm. I so think I'm kind of confused. When you watch the Hidden Figures screener, maybe you'll get some ideas oh, okay. um, from how people dressed at NASA in the 60s. 
Oh, yeah. When people ask, I'll just say, oh, I was one of yeah, the first like, African oh, women uh, engineers. No, obviously, you'd be like, oh, I'm dressed like Kevin Costner at Hidden Figures. <laughs> I need some of those like Malcolm X glasses. Right, exactly. Do you not already have them? Like, I find that hard to believe. I don't, actually. I, uh, <gasps> Why not? I always have felt those be were... such a fun look on you. They were... Appropriating? Very on trend. They were appropriate. <laughs> they were very on trend for a period of time that I, uh, you know, didn't yeah. want to just be another... Bring it back. Bring it back. I think it's been out long enough to bring it back. Be ahead of Costner. Do it before people see Costner doing it. That's what your mission should be. I mean, it was big after falling down, I think, was really the issue. (laughs) And you took a lot from that movie, but not the glasses. (laughs) So much rage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shall we? Uh, Yeah, let's get down to it. So the first movie we have today is Lion. Mm -hmm. Um, Five-year-old Saru gets lost on a train which takes him thousands of miles across India away from home and family. 25 years later, armed with only a handful of memories, his unwavering determination, and a revolutionary technology known as Google Earth, he sets out to find his lost family and finally return to his first home. How long were you on the train? A couple of days. A couple of days. It would take a lifetime to search all the stations in India. idea what it's like how every day my real brother screams my name so here we have another heartwarming tale of technology it's like ex machina (laughs) yes uh so for all of you out there who are technology apologists who've been waiting for the day that you get a nice feel-good tech movie that day has arrived (laughs) in the form of a feature-length advert for google earth exactly it's like the dear sophie uh feature-length film (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, it is uh, It is a feel-good movie, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw this in Toronto, ding, and I was not planning to watch it because I could tell from just reading the description that it had non-white actors, no, uh, that it had, uh, you know, that was going to be inspirational and upworthy-worthy, if you will. Which is something you have, if you listen, didn't listen to last week's yeah. show, Jason avoids. Yes, I am repulsed by inspirational things, and uh, I find nothing worse than something being upworthy-worthy. Um, and uh, so I went into it resignedly because I was going to be doing a junket interview with Dev Patel the next day, mm. and so I was like, all right, well, I'll go see this movie. And I was, I was, I was, I would say pleasantly surprised <laughs> uh, I would say I was pleasantly surprised in uh, that it, its tone was much more rooted in like social realism mm. I, I expected like the score to be insane over the top mm-hmm. s- swelling strings everywhere um, but it, it's not it's much more controlled and contained than that um, and uh, so that was I guess you could say a pleasant surprise mm-hmm. Much of the movie is just a slog to get through. Uh, you're basically committing to like almost two full hours of of kind of stasis in a sense um, before everything all comes like f- f- you know rushing together for this this finale that is undeniably effective mm-hmm. once it happens once this long foretold kind of reunion finally comes together and once Google Earth does its its you know its miraculous work. Uh, in in this in this mm-hmm. in Saru's life, so you know it's a true story. This is right, yeah. And uh, so that's all really happened. But the thing about it as a story is that it's not quite enough for a movie. Mm. It's like a news segment. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's basically just to kind of make sure I understand. Um, he gets separated from his family, then gets adopted, and then through Google Earth can locate what looked familiar when he was a kid. Correct. And then using that, he's able to. He, he looks dig it for the family. train station because what had happened was uh, he was out with his older brother, and he ended up on this train, and then the train took off, and then took him thousands of miles away to a far, a, a much further part of India. Mm-hmm. Um, in which they did not speak his language. Oh, because right. Because India, sure. I learned, has more than one language. You learned that? I did not know that. Okay. Well, quite a few. <laughs> I mean, that's nonsense. Quite a few big ones, but go ahead. I anyway. mean, countries should have one official language. Am I right, guys? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, but uh, India does not. And uh, so he goes from a place where they speak Hindi to a place where they speak Bengali, and mm-hmm. he doesn't speak that. And uh, and uh, so in the whole first half of the movie, when it's uh, um, this, this amazing, amazing young actor named Sonny Powell, and he is the cutest little boy. Holy shit, he's so adorable. He's this high squeaky little voice, and he's just a little. You just want to don't want to eat him. And uh, Danny, <laughs> we, we were just watching the. Oh, you were doing the audio for the trailer. Did you watch the trailer? Uh, no, I didn't. Guys, Rebecca's zero for three this week. I uh, am. She, I haven't seen any of these movies. Not her. Not her best. Uh, but she's 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 gonna she's gonna come through. Anyway, I've been doubling down on the movies that I've missed. They're gonna be in our best. Yes, episode. she is preparing. She is preparing for what really counts. And I'm doing my own Toronto. Where I just right, sit exactly. there and watch movie after movie <laughs> in my house. And you probably are dressed no better than I was when no, I was I'm going sure to these I'm, theaters around. At Toronto. my worst, I'm at your best. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna fight that. I'm in very nice pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing your pajamas being like, like some kind of weird Frank Sinatra costume. Uh, it's like the ones with the piping on them. Yes, yes. It's like, you oh, well, I have like a martini. Like, yeah, you're like, like oh. this, is, this is from the Hef for Her collection. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's a lot less creepy, though, and a lot more classy. <laughs> so. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So, so I didn't see the trailer. So, so the boy is super, super adorable. And Dev Patel, who plays him um, once the story jumps ahead uh, some years, is also like super adorable. And, and you know, you, you were rooting for him. You like him. He's likable. And the reason I think it's cast these two actors who are so just precious to watch is to carry you across the slog that is this entire movie. Mm. And to give you something to root for. a lot of Google searching? Well, once it gets to Death Patel's part, yeah, it's just Google searching. Um, oh, wow. And uh, he has like a girlfriend played by Rooney Mara very, in a very, 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 very one-note limited role mm. as just like supportive girlfriend who's being pushed away by her like boyfriend who's trying to figure out his life. And um, But, you know, so the, the part with Sonny Powell, the part that takes place in the past is um, people keep describing as Dickensian um, mm. because, you know, it's, it's, you know, you're following this little um, suddenly – you know, a child from a, a family who turned street urchin, orphan. Mm-hmm. Orphan, yeah. Um, and, you know, and it takes, he's not immediately um, put into an orphanage. It takes some time. Um, he's on the streets for a while, uh, and it is not cute. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, you know, through it all, you just love this little boy. And then eventually he gets adopted by Nicole Kidman, like all little boys dream of having happened to them. <laughs> Nicole Kidman in this. You're still holding out hope. I am. I am. I'm just like, I'm, I'm on the websites. <laughs> it's like adopt this 34 year old married man in San Francisco today, Nikki. Um, so Nicole Kidman in this movie is sporting a curly red wig. Um, that is absolutely how she would look if she had never left Australia to become a Hollywood <laughs> star 
Um, so uh, shout out to Australia though. So he he ends up living in Australia. Yes, yes, he ends up uh, yeah being adopted by a couple in what Australia. What a lucky fella! I know, beautiful country, favorite continent, wonderful continent. Um, you know, I forgot it's a continent. Not in every continent also gets to be a country. No, but Australia does. Yeah, and we love that about it. That's pretty rad. Um, but uh, so Nicole Kidman is the adoptive mother, and uh, and and this is kind of where it starts trying to pad out the story beyond what's mm. strictly the story. Mm-hmm. It tries making it about, like, different issues around, like, you know, whenever uh, adoptive parents adopt a child of a different race or ethnicity from them and sort of, like, how you try to do right by that child's heritage. Mm, that's always a, that's always an interesting tough yeah, thing. Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, you know, it's not necessarily what this story ultimately hinges on, but it sort of feels like, like okay, well, let's just, like, we need to fill out the story somehow. So sure. they kind of make it more about, like, Saru trying to figure out who he is because, you know, he's being raised by this, like, well-to-do Australian couple, white couple. And, uh, and yet he knows that his, you know, where he started off, well, he doesn't really remember very much where he started off, but he wants to find it. Mm-hmm. And, Is it a uh, long movie? It's like a full two hour movie. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's just, it, the, the first part is so good. And Sonny Powell is so fantastic. Dev Patel is also fantastic, but he just has so much less to do. That just all he gets to do is basically just like be moody and like click keys on like an old laptop. Uh, I do that eight hours a day. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> thinks I'm cute. Where's my Oscar? Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but you know, that's uh, that's that. Uh, Seems like a really good, like a feel good family holiday movie. I guess it could be. Um, I mean, like I said, it really is not very feel good until like the final five minutes. Okay. The final five minutes are like a tear fest. It's a gusher. Really? <laughs> um, and uh, happy tears, sad tears all at once. Uh, so um, Did you cry? No, I still didn't. Okay, I'm just making sure. Um, but I felt that, that, that empty kind of knock in my heart from where I would. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, but to get there, it, it takes, it takes its time, uh, getting to the inevitable, like heartwarming conclusion. Sure. And you think that took away the effectiveness of the, uh, conclusion having waited so long? No, I mean, it makes it better because it, because you have been deprived. You have been deprived of any like sort of like meaningful, uh, sort of emotional experience up until that point. I see. It's basically like a waiting game. We see the boy get separated from his family, and then we wait for an entire movie for him to be reunited <laughs> with his family. And uh, and we're just kind of watching whatever is happening while he's waiting to be reunited with his family. And what are you giving this one? Uh, I'm going to give it a consumed moderation. Okay. Uh, it's not, it's, it's, it's like, as, as I said, it's a lot more sort of like understated um, mm-hmm. in its filmmaking. The filmmaking, uh, it's the directorial debut of a guy named Garth Davis, who has a background in commercial directing. Um, he did, I believe, Toyota's. Ninja Kittens ad might uh, ring a bell for you. Mm-hmm. You're Googling now. <laughs> um, so, no, I've seen it. And, uh, did and, that come after that Kia Hamsters? I, I think so. I did And uh, so it's not surprising that his background in commercial direction led him to direct this feature-length commercial for Google Earth. <laughs> Have you used it since? No, I don't. I've never really used Google Earth. That's pretty cool. I would say. It's oh, is it? Nice is cool. it? All right. If you want to look at the world and you know, <laughs> be reunited with your family and uh, fulfill all the I holes know where those people are. <laughs> Um, so you're giving it a consume. It is out now and it's rated PG-13 for thematic material and some sensuality. That brings us to movie number two, Miss Sloan, which is our pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick, pick, pick is the pick of the week. Willing to bend the rules of her clients, Elizabeth Stone remains one of the most sought after lobbyists in Washington, D.C., 
when she decides to put her might behind a bill that would impose gun control regulation, her defiant stance and determination to win make her the target of powerful new enemies who threaten her career and the people she cares about. You want to lead the fight on gun control? There's over five million of us, and we're armed. Start an inquisition. They will throw you in jail for contempt of Congress! The winner plots one step ahead of the opposition. We have to make it personal. You know the word annihilate? It means reduce to nothing. This is more important than my career. It's mind-boggling. You crossed the line. And genius. Bugging and tapping. And completely unbelievable. It's about making sure you surprise them. So this stars one of um, your favorite actresses, Jessica Chastain. I'm a noted Chastainiac. Ch- <laughs> what does Chastaining mean again? Uh, it's something that I would rather not talk about on the air, um, but it's something that I do avidly participate in. What is it? Um, well, it involves sort of like wearing a series of red wigs and displaying your versatility, um, but uh, in a variety of ways. Oh, interesting. Wait, so who's accused of chastaining besides you? Oh, wait. And there was also another definition of chastaining that you're trying to do a callback to. Um, when you have a bunch of movies all come out in one year that put you on the map and you're amazing in all of them. Yeah, that's who what was, I thought it was. Who was chastaining last? There was somebody who was chastaining last year. Who was it? Um, Charlotte Rambling. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was the Red Wigs. My bad. <laughs> That was the versatility. I feel in like ways. Amy Adams is chastaining. She is, but but she everyone knows Isabel her. Isabel is chastaining Isabel this year. Isabel is chastaining. That's true. Um, but it helps when you're like just starting out and you're chastaining. Oh, god damn it! Who was it? It was somebody who was in a bunch of movies at Toronto last year. Because remember at the festival, we were like, they're chastaining, they're chastaining, they're in everything. So if you only put out one movie and you're really bad in it, are you ab chastaining? <laughs> abs abs ab chaining ab chaining ab training. Yeah. Sure. I'm yeah. just focusing on that core. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, Miss yeah. Sloan, um, she's a badass lobbyist. She's taking on the gun industry. She is, but she is not necessarily a good person. Oh, yes. So she is not. Um, she is not an Avenger driven by principle. Mm-hmm. She is a sort of perfectionist narcissist. Okay. And she had been working at, like, the top lobbying firm in D.C. And originally, she is pitched on doing a campaign to fight gun control. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she gets, uh, and she's kind of offended by the pitch, uh, just because she thinks it's stupid. Uh, and then she um, sort of gets pitched by someone from this tiny little boutique firm that is going to be arguing for the gun control law lobbying. And she kind of likes the challenge of it. She's like, yeah, I think I can do this. And so she kind of like cuts ties with her like giant powerful firm and then goes to work for this tiny little one. Um, not because she is this diehard crusader about gun control, um, but because she just likes the challenge of it. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. this is a movie about, you know, this like just sort of like a, a flawed anti-hero um, protagonist mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, has this important message. It's being delivered in like an imperfect vessel um, because she has very unscrupulous and hyper-aggressive ways of getting what she wants and getting it done. Wow, this couldn't be further from a character I could relate to. <laughs> I feel like I am constantly shackled by my scruples. <laughs> my lack of determination. <laughs> They're always fighting for keeping me doing anything. <laughs> right. Yeah, this is why I don't actually have to stand during my work day. <laughs> Just kind of sit there and... Look at the videos, but uh, yeah. So she is, she is, she is the anti Olarte, <laughs> if you will. 
And uh, so, you know, so she, with with all of the might and power that she brings to lobbying for this gun control, she also brings all of her own baggage. Mm. And she also <clears throat> is a woman in a male-dominated field who now has a bunch of very powerful men looking for ways to just destroy her. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's a super topical movie, um, sure. you know, not least of which because, you know, it, it, it takes what feels like a very current modern look at the different sides of the gun control divide. Mm-hmm. Not that they've really changed much in some years. Like we've had, because like the, 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 the anti-gun control side never changes. They have, there's nothing. All they can do is like, Second Amendment, done. Right. Mic drop. That's their mic drop. Second Amendment. Um, and this movie actually has a lot of really interesting kind of arguments against that argument um and then it kind of takes into consideration all of the mass shootings mm-hmm. which have been going on long enough now that again you can be like anytime in the last however many years and it, you, this movie could feel like it's torn from the headlines right so it's one of those movies that kind of gets your blood boiling and gets your heart racing a little bit just from like it feels like you're watching like actual debates on like oh, cnn or something like that um so it has that going for it it also feels topical in the sense that it's about a sort of washington insider woman who is um aspirational but flawed and who's sort of just just unapologetic drive and perfectionism makes men want to destroy her oh you're talking about hills hills mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um oh, you're talking about Jill Stein. <laughs> 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 no, i'm talking about everyone's favorite forest dweller hillary clinton <laughs> So I wanted to ask you more about, um, you know, her being a woman in a male-dominated field. Mm-hmm. Is that something that is you would consider to be a focus of the movie? Is it handled well? Is it very, like, is it really highlighted, like, this is a woman in a male-dominated field? Um, I wouldn't say, so she would say, Miss Sloan would say, she actually does say in the film that she's not a feminist, and that she doesn't think of herself as a feminist. She says, she has a conversation with Christine Baranski, who's in the movie for 20 <laughs> walloping seconds. And she's she just actually there. wandered on the stage instead of being <laughs> yeah. on The Good Wife. And just she staggers in Martina in hand. She's like, are you a feminist? <laughs> and Jessica Chastain says no. And she's like, no. And then she just leaves. And then that's <laughs> exit Baranski. Um, but uh, but no, uh, Miss Sloan says that she is she just doesn't find feminism interesting. Um, to her, it's irrelevant because her belief in her own f- sort of sheer willpower and force of nature for her, that transcends her sex. Oh, sure. She's terrible. Yes. Okay, I know. All right, I get it. <laughs> uh, well, no, I mean, like, it's not so much that she's terrible. It's just that for her, she's like, this conversation doesn't apply to me. Sure, she's like Peter Thiel. She's like a gay Republican. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's not actively working against feminist interests. She just doesn't hold up the shield to to sort of distinguish herself. She's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to be recognized as a woman mm-hmm. in this field. Sure. I want to be recognized as a top person in this field regardless. And so she is, she's like, so I don't talk about feminism. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but you know, but to your point, like, That's you know, a she, flawed stance often. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's never a great thing. And she's an imperfect uh, sure, character. Absolutely. It gets back to that she's a sort of anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so there's not a huge focus on that. Um, there is another female character in the film played by Alison Pill. Mm. And you know who else is in this movie? Goo goo. Goo goo. She's in the she movie a treasure, too. Oh, as she, always. She is just a, a, a dewy eyed treasure. Uh, just precious as can be. 
this movie takes place in DC. It was actually filmed in Toronto, which I realized whenever no. there was a scene. <laughs> no, there was a scene. Uh, there's a scene where I was like, because I was like, oh, they're in DC, and then there's one scene where um, there's like a pivotal moment where Jessica Chastain first gets approached by the the um, boutique firm, and I'm like. That looks like the restaurant across the street from my hotel that I always stay at. And then the camera turns around. I'm like, oh, there's my hotel. Uh, <laughs> it's like you eating yeah, Subway exactly. sitting like, on the oh, side of the that street. Oh, that is, oof. That That's is the a, other side of Google Earth. did not see that happening because because of that shark-like membrane that rolls over my eyes when I eat and prevents me from eating, but also prevents me from injuring my eyes. It also keeps from getting ham in your eye. Yeah, food shrapnel. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so Allison Pill, uh, is, is in the movie as is, uh, Sam Waterston. Woo-hoo. So it's a newsroom reunion between those yeah. two. Um, America's uh, treasure, America's sweetheart. <laughs> the one and only. <laughs> Sam Waterston. Yes. Your, your first and forever pinup, Sam Waterston. <laughs> they didn't even know they made law and order trading cards. <laughs> and there'd be so many. There would be. There'd be so a many. Huge cast. My God, that's a revolving great idea. door, right? They have to be on that What did I? Someone had just made trading cards about something that was like super obscure and lame, but some graphic designer made them. I don't remember what it was. It was like some one season TV show or something. This is a tremendous anecdote. Thank you. <laughs> it was a really quick one because I'm trying to get back to the point that Law and Order trading cards would be a hit. <laughs> they would be a smash hit. Unlike this obscure one season show. Right. Which is just an exercise in, in whimsy. You know also, how I feel about Wings that. trading cards would do really <laughs> well. Wings. The many films of Deborah Winger, I'm assuming you're referring to. <laughs> Uh, um, anyway, anyway, so uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of its position on her being a woman in the field, um, and it does kind of show how she. Part of her whole life is that she has sacrificed any kind of personal life at the altar of her professional achievement. Okay, so this is a thing. This is definitely a trope. This is this comes up often when you have a, a woman in, a, in yes, this male dominated field. But this woman has a designated way of relieving that. Um, situation is it the kind we all have uh, killing strangers in the night <laughs> uh, it's a kind that some of us have which is called having a go-to man whore okay mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. she has a hustler um who she has an ongoing you know just like she has a arrangement uh mm-hmm. you know but like how often they show up at the same hotel room and and you know bone out and then out she goes and she's like well you know done with that the hustler is played by jake lacy from oh. from Carol and from Obvious Child and from The Office. That's a hard one to imagine. And god damn it, he is shredded. Oh my god. I, I, uh. I literally went, oh, whenever they first had shown him with a shirt off. I'm like, oh my god, Jake Lacey, what did you do? I feel like maybe he like got, you know, after Krasinski, you know, got going yeah. as like, as like, you know, he's like, like, I have a baby face and a man body since too. He, exactly. Since he had to follow, he was sort of like the mini Krasinski on the office. So he had to like oh, yeah. follow suit in real life and also get super fucking jacked. Wow. Uh, so I can't, I can't imagine him as a hustler. I know. I, well, his like it changes his whole face because his face gets much more like lean and angular and his body is insane. Hmm. So hats off um, and, and pants for, <laughs> for Jake Lacey. <laughs> So that's how she deals with any sort of desire she might have to, like, have sex or relationship. Well, she's not interested in a relationship. She just isn't. Um, so, yeah. And it's for sure a trope in the sense that, you know, we were familiar with this sort of, like, you know, career-driven lady who doesn't have any time for relationships. But she is not – she does not really grieve her lack of relationship. Mm-hmm, like, she mm-hmm. has her shit sorted out. She knows what she wants and she knows how to get it. And that's just kind of in keeping with her character. It would be nice if that wasn't even touched on, though, right? 
We had a movie where it wasn't where like why does you know this is a very focused well, story about um, but I think gun we, control. But then we would say that like oh it's not a fully developed character you know like where what what about this part of who she is because mm-hmm. I mean all people have that part so it's sort of like well what about that we never even get to hear about that so yeah. I feel like it's just in service of developing it. I guess the other option is like I'm thinking of like when. Yeah, it's a male in that role. Then it's like, oh, they have a, like a token wife character who doesn't have mm-hmm. much. I mean, you could do it that way and have just like a token right. dude, which is more a more boring way to have like a token spouse at home mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I think it speaks to the character. It helps you more fully picture. Oh, wow! So like she doesn't she not even until I have like a throwaway spouse on the side. She's like has no time for that. She's like, no, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in marriage. I'm not interested in relationships. You know, like I have a man who I fuck whenever I want to, and that's that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. which makes it kind of more interesting. It's it's almost weird to see Jessica Chastain in this part because, as like a hyper driven agro career lady, it seems much more befitting one of her doppelgangers, Ms. Bryce Dallas Howard. Mm-hmm. They did another one of those. I'm not. I'm not her. Right. Yes. Just like Amy Adams and Isla Fisher before them. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Ginger Ninjas, uh, the gang that they will form someday. <laughs> Uh, so it really feels like a Bryce Dallas Howard role, but guys, the entire reason to watch this movie, if you have not heard, is Jessica Chastain. Um, her performance is the, is the reason for the season. Um, it has gotten her on a lot of Best Actress shortlists. It mm. seems highly unlikely she'll actually get a nomination outside the Globes. Mm. Um, but she is, this is not a, a shade of her we've seen before. Um, I think, you know, she, you know, we, we first were sort of discovering her in like Tree of Life mm-hmm. and The Help. In both of those movies, she has such like a warm, welcoming female energy, and um, and then in Zero Dark Thirty, she was playing a, a driven professional, mm-hmm. um, but not someone who you would describe as like a nuclear obliterator of a woman. <laughs> um, in this, she is doing that. She also mm-hmm. is like dealing with like pages and pages of like Sorkinese dialogue. Aaron Sorkin didn't write this, but he could have. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, so she's uh, so she has so much dialogue, and she's just pounding through it. She is just like eating up everything on the screen around her. She is the hand motions you're using for that are very interesting. Yes, I, I did kind of two world <laughs> circles. I'm like, this is me when I'm like closing in on a room full of food. Like this is gets the food in motion, moving toward my face, and then I'm just kind of going side to side like this, just taking it as it comes. Uh, so that's how she is with her scene partners uh, in this film. Um, she's uh, yeah, she's really tremendous. The movie feels like it could have been a limited series on like BBC or something. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, uh, you know, I think that's the problem that like anytime you have a movie that's essentially a procedural about like legal stuff, political stuff, mm-hmm. you're like, could it be a TV show? Yeah, exactly. It's one of those weird fields where TV kind of owns it. Yeah, it's sort it of like that and like working at a hospital. Like there are certain professions that TV kind of owns and that anytime a movie wants to make its mark there, it, has an uphill battle of yeah. of trying to convince you that it's not wouldn't couldn't just be a fucking TV show you're watching for free at home. Thanks, Grey's Anatomy and Law and Order. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they did them so I mean, well. E- they done them so long. I mean, like, ER. I mean, obviously, it goes back, oh, sure. you know, like yeah. fucking forever with 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 both you know with both fields with both legal and medical fields. Matlock. Matlock, for instance, TV just owns them. Um. So, uh. But with that said, it's still a very um. Yeah, compelling, provocative character-driven uh, film that is powered by a really musty Jessica Chastain performance. And it's the pick of the week, so assuming you're giving it a binge it. Binge it. Uh, it's rated R for, sec- for language and some sexuality. The Hustler. The Hustler. Um, this brings us to movie number three, movie number three, which is Office Christmas Party. When a CEO tries to close her hard-partying brother's branch, 
He and his chief technical officer must rally their co-workers and host an epic office Christmas party in an effort to impress a potential client and close a sale that will save their jobs. Tonight, the decisions you make will have consequences that will haunt you for the rest of your professional lives. Pull over or I will shoot your penis in the face. I love America! Don't stop! It's that time of year again. Holiday romp fest. Welcome, guys. You love those, don't you? (laughs) It's that time. You know, I mean, they're always like they're they're always a respite that you can depend on in December, in November. uh, You know, to as a break from all of the very very heavy, Mm. serious Mm -hmm. award season movies that are in theaters. And I think that that makes you kind of end up grading them on a kinder scale because you're kind of so hungry for something that is fun to watch. (laughs) Uh, Like Fences? Like Fences. Um, You know, uh, something that just kind of, you know, it's a chuckle fest, like uh, Moonlight. (laughs) Uh, So, and this is in the same class. No, it is not. Um, But this is is kind of a who's who. Um, It's a great cast. Terrific cast. Jason Uh, Bateman, Olivia Munn, TJ Miller, Jennifer Aniston, Kate McKinnon, Courtney B. Vance, Rob Corddry. Vanessa Bayer. Randall Randall Park. Park, um, Jillian Bell. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a tremendous cast. And uh, it is... It's kind of funny, uh, you know. Oh it, no, <laughs> no! Uh, it's kind of funny. But Kate uh, McKinnon, oh, and it, Vanessa Bayer. It does Kate McKinnon so wrong. No. Oh my oh, god. Man. Okay, so this well, is that's reason enough to. The movie is incredibly, incredibly um, retrograde with its female characters. Really? So let's look at the premise for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jennifer Aniston plays like the heartless bitch sit perfectionist sister who wants to shut down her like ridiculous man child brother's little company. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to root for the man child over the castrating sister. Gotcha. So that kind of sets the tone right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Duranson is being forced to play this, like the evil harpy who's coming in to ruin the boys. Good times mm. when all they want to do is just, you know, have fun and have and party and, you know, and just, you know, he just wants doesn't want to fire anyone. And, you know, and she's like, well, you know, like numbers, numbers, numbers. I'm sorry. And he's like, but I love all of them. They're my family. She's like, well, you're very bad at your job. He's like, well, I'm a good person. You know, like lots of. Yeah. Um, and TJ Miller, to his credit, is, is very, very good in this part. Um, he, he's, he's entirely too sweet and charming and funny. <laughs> uh, he, he, he deserves better. Um, he is. Yeah, I was surprised, actually, by how kind of poignant he was. Really? Uh, in this role. Um, so he's fantastic. He's mm-hmm. a terrific. Turns out he's not just good at playing like, you know, an asshole on Silicon Valley. Right, uh, like a stoner douche. Yeah, he's he's really, really good in this movie. Um, so it's, but it's not just Jennifer Aniston. Once um, again, if you haven't seen him in the YouTube series Gore Burger, I highly recommend it. Right. So Kate McKinnon um, plays a somewhat similar like girl ruining the fun because um, uh. she's the HR lady. And so she is there to just be like, no, 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 to things as they happen. And even though she does it in like a Kate McKinnon, like silly voice, weird face way, mm-hmm. she is still running around telling everybody like, no, this must stop at once. This uh. won't do. Um, there is uh, Vanessa Bayer plays a mousy um, single mom who just can't get a good guy. 
Um, Jamie Chung has like a one scene role as just like hot Asian girl who won't button her blouse, uh, even though HR lady keeps telling her to. Yeah. Well, this is really uh, disappointing. Abby Lee, uh, not Abby Lee Miller, uh, but Abby Lee, the model actress from uh, Mad Max Fury Road and The Neon Demon, um, plays a disloyal hooker uh, who wow. is uh, hired by one of the male employees to be his girlfriend um, for the party. Um, and then starts giving out hand jobs to his coworkers um, for forty bucks in the bathroom. Uh, it's bad. Uh, That's and uh, uh, and the only terrible. the only um, kind of exceptions kind of are like Olivia Munn plays uh, like a sexy IT maven um, who uh, which is which is itself very much a like cliche at sure, this point absolutely. like the hot sexy smart girl who knows technology. Mm-hmm. So she plays that part. Um, but she's still like very much defined as like having this romantic t- will there won't they tension with Jason Bateman's character, who is probably you know at least fifteen years older than her. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and Jillian Bell, bless her, Jillian Bell uh, of Twenty Two Jump Street fame, of Idiot Sitter fame, mm-hmm. of Workaholics fame, plays Abby Lee's uh, pimp, and she is terrifying (laughs) and also very very funny um but uh but you know so she kind of is the one uh who i would say makes off with any kind of you know it's not meant it's not an aspirational character sure uh, for sure um but she is at least very funny and she kind of gets to like run her own game Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. over in the corner of the movie but the rest of it is so regressive and even though everybody gets their sort of like little moments of redemption toward the end it like the guys don't have to be redeemed because we love them from the beginning yeah. We love TJ Miller. We love Jason Bateman. Uh, you know, and we're just cheering them both on um, the entire time. Um, so, and uh, it's it's just the year's big fucking, like, oh, rager party. It's like last year we had, like, sisters. No, we you know? also had that one with... Uh, um, the Night Of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where they, where they um, this, is more, this is more similar to Sisters in that it's about, just, like, one giant party that, like, mm. goes on all the, for the, basically the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just gets really out of control. This one, since it takes place in an office, at moments harkens back to like the Wolf of Wall Street. Um, oh, wow. But uh, but yeah, so it, it's it's moderately funny, um, and you know it stars a bunch of people that you were happy to see in a movie. But it's it's just yeah, it's regressive. It's regressive. Uh, it's not a woke comedy at all. That's a bummer. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a dude comedy. Uh, all the way and you know and it's it does have that kind of enough sweetness to it that it qualifies as like a holiday comedy albeit a very raunchy hard uh, holiday comedy Mm -hmm. but you know and i'm sure people will enjoy going because people are looking for escapism and you know escapism from a number of things and so it makes sense as a release for that um but uh, i mean i feel like if you're looking for an escape from a lot of things and you will be just as offended by the movie right uh, well, I mean, not everybody, because clearly there's an audience for this. Sure, yeah, uh, sure. So uh, well, those people won. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So this will be their favorite. Um, I think that a lot of people seeing the cast would make an assumption that it wouldn't be that regressive. So I think this is a, it's a definitely an important review. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, we're doing important work. <laughs> just doing God's work over here. Yes. Um, how about the uh, uh, actors of color? Courtney B. Vance is in the movie, uh-huh. and let's just say that... Um, it would be better just to watch him in People vs. OJ and not also see him in this. Okay. Um, I mean, he is, it's, he's 
fun, you know, but no, it's, it's, I was reading, they had a cast interview in Entertainment Weekly, and I was reading it, and it was, like, talking up his, like, big, like, party scene, and I watched it in the movie, and I was like, this is not that funny, guys. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, it just feels like you're watching Courtney B. Vance, like, degrade himself oh. uh, in the movie. All right. Well, I think that says about enough about that. What are you <laughs> yeah. giving this one? I'm going to give it a consume minus. Hmm. Um, so I, I was not not entertained mm-hmm. it wasn't like one of those comedies where i like, kept trying to be funny and failing and then you know you're just like oh my god just zoolander <laughs> right as there, at first i thought you meant zootopia i was like how dare you even no, zoolander 2 to be specific right um so yeah so it was it was entertaining enough and it has you know the cast does keep you engaged but it's just not it's ugh, yeah for all the reasons i've described before yeah that's enough you're good not aspirational good. yeah um, it's rated R for crude sexual content and language throughout, drug use, and graphic nudity. That's it. That's it, guys. That wraps it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much for listening to The Binge. Um, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you have a minute, give us a rating. We uh, would appreciate it. Um, maybe we'll, we'll do like a thing. Like for every rating that you give, Jason will talk one minute less. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We're still playing with the gamification of it, but we're, exactly. some we're things we're tossing out, around. Uh, yeah, audience participation. Yeah. Um, Jason is on Twitter, uh, and you are at XS Faggage. Uh, I am at Fight Balance. I still have some Percocet left, so sometimes I just <laughs> take some and get on Twitter, which is weird. So look forward to that. Um, and thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There goes the binge. binge.